Oh my god. How cool. I love that. So exciting. Wow. Hi, I'm Pip and this is Jumbled Loves a Chat. Amazing. Love that it. Is stunning. That is like so flipping true. Just come and get your coffee. <laughs> Cheers to that. Today's guest is not only creative, but she's also clever. She is the strange but very fabulous combination of hats and dip. You might be thinking, what? Hats and dip? But you're in for a real treat today. Today's chat literally has my all-time fave, best ever business startup story. It begins with a deli, a pawn shop and a brothel. And it results in a hugely successful national brand that is on the up and up. So a very big warm welcome to Fiona Schofield from Fresh Fodder and Fiona Schofield Millinery. Welcome. Thanks, Pip. Thanks so much for having me along this morning. Oh, it's so good. Millinery <laughs> is like the hardest word to write and say. Really <laughs> struggled with that. If I was in the flower industry. You know, oh, milling flour. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, it makes sense. I guess so. They're sort yeah. of like a little bit linked. It's really hard to write and spell. Um, I've really been looking forward to this chat today. Like really looking. I know you're a little bit nervous. I but am. I'm very nervous. I'm very nervous. When you sent your message through, I was like, what? Really? No. You don't want to talk to me. Oh, no. Well, whenever we've, I've heard you talk a couple of times at um, like producers lunches and things oh, like that. Yeah. And I always really love the story um, of Fresh Fodder, but I also it's love the story of your hats. And um, I did a workshop with you once, made a hat and you did my wedding fascinated thingamajiggy um but yeah it's a really interesting story and i I can't wait for people to hear it and i love that you're doing it here in orange as well so oh we couldn't imagine doing it anywhere else to be honest it's um orange was the one thing that we always knew was was where we wanted to be oh that's so good Mm. it's a good place you should all come and visit us (laughs) so okay let's rewind and so you grew up in forbes Mm -hmm. Um, what was your childhood like? Uh, I had a great childhood. It, um, I grew up on a farm in between Forbes and Grenfell. Yeah. And I've, uh, I'm the youngest of five and I'm the youngest by quite a bit. God. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> there's, there's 14 years between the eldest and I. Oh, no. And so, and then there's six years between the closest to me in age. I had that benefit of having lots of, I mean, two of my sisters had moved out of home before I'd even started school. Yeah. But I had lots of grown-ups around and I really enjoyed being around older people rather than kids my own age, maybe. Oh, yeah. um, and I spent, I probably had a lot of time on my own. I really enjoyed, really enjoyed being on the farm with just mum or dad I mean, I'd watch midday movies during the school holidays. We'd go for walks. It was a really tranquil, 
calm, quiet sort of upbringing, I guess. Yeah, sounds lovely. Mm. Isn't it funny how like where you're placed in a family or where you live creates so much of you? It does, really, yeah. And it's interesting, I think, because there's, you know, there's I'm closer in age to my oldest nephew than I am to my oldest sister. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) You know, so it's this strange hybrid of, you know, I used to go out to... Um, to her place, she um, was is well. She still is a teacher at Warren. I used to go out to her place, and I'd help her during school holidays with the babies when they were little, and I'd sew for the babies. And <laughs> oh, isn't it crazy? So your husband Max mm-hmm. is also in the business. He grew up in Sydney. He's a Sydney boy. Yeah, yeah grew up on um, the North Shore. Yeah, and third generation foodie. His yes, granddad had delis on the Central Coast, yeah. and his dad. His dad had done political science at uni but never pursued it. He had a real flair for food and yeah. he had a couple of great delis on the North Shore in Sydney. Yeah, so Max was destined for food too probably. I think it was inevitable. Yeah. Um, it probably came sooner than he thought. He ended up, def- he had applied to do viticulture out of, out of high school and deferred it for a year and went to work for his mum and dad and never left. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Anyway, I'm going back to you. So when you, you're ultra creative, were you, do you think mm. you're creative as a kid? I was always doing, you know, I'd go across to the dam and I'd dig clay out of the dam and set pots oh, on the side of the so dam. amazing, um, yeah. You know, there was always, there was always something. Mum and I were always, she taught me to sew when I was really young. Okay. Um, and I, I always really enjoyed doing that. I made lots of things and I, I took a very creative approach at school as soon as, um, you know, it was to my detriment, but as soon as I got through year 10 and maths was not compulsory, I dropped it like yes. a hot potato. Yeah. So that I could fill it with more creative content. It didn't serve me well in terms of marks and all of that sort of stuff, but I, I don't think it's been a, a long-lasting detriment no, to, my, like to my career path. doesn't matter. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, that stuff doesn't really matter. As I'm a big believer in do what you really enjoy if you're doing it for a long time. So, mm. and I think I'm really lucky that I found what I really enjoyed really early. Yeah. I knew that I really liked to make things and I really enjoyed working with my hands and, and I think I was pretty good at it. I made some cracking 80s dresses. Oh, you would oh, have. Awesome do you still have any? Um, do you know, I used to, but one of my older sisters did a big clear out in mum and dad's shed when she was up at one stage and took them all to Vinnie's. So I can only hope that they're in someone's dress up box somewhere. Oh there was some fantastic spot silk, satin, shiny finish. Oh, fabulous. You know, like a mutton leaves, yeah. sleeves. And- <laughs> <laughs> so when you. Lots of ruching. I oh, know, like so fun. Oh, Such a great time. It was a great time to learn how to sew yeah. because, you know, I learned lots of techniques that don't get used a lot so much anymore. Mm. Um, but it was. Lots of yeah, It was everything. It was everything. Bells and whistles. And- the more, more is more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you left school. And you mm. went and what did you go and study? I studied, I had a desperate path to do fashion design. I yep. really thought I'd end up in clothes. Yeah. Um, and the year that I finished, East Sydney TAFE was the go to place for fashion then. Yep. Um, but the year I left, I think there was something close to 5,000 applicants for 25 positions. <sighs> um, and I, I didn't get one of them. 
Um, and I was devastated, yeah. so devastated. Um, but my mum and dad were incredibly supportive and so we looked and I hadn't got the marks to get into the UTS course because I'd dropped maths and I'd chosen all of these creative yeah. streams and yeah. so I got scaled really badly. Um, and I wasn't really much of a student anyhow. No. Unless it was something creative. No. It's hard that you need um, the marks to get into a creative course yeah, sometimes. It's, it's tricky. But I think I think it's a long-term vision because yep. you do need to have the smarts. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. You know, you can't just make pretty stuff and put it out there. You've actually got to be able to drive it. Too. Yeah. Um, so dad and mum... We spent a week in Sydney traipsing around trying mm. to, we did research and traipsing around to find where I might be able to go. So you're like and 18 at this point. Yes, I was young for my year. I was 17. Yeah. Um, Good on your mum and dad. That's and so yeah, nice. I can still clearly picture my dad standing. I ended up going to the, it was called the White House School yep. and it had just evolved. Um, I think I was in the second graduating year maybe. Yeah. Um, and I can still clearly see dad talking to Leanne in the foyer at White House and we left and he said, yeah, I think this is the place. It's got a good feeling about it. Oh, bless. <laughs> you know, in his RM Williams yeah. and his check shirt. and <laughs> That's so lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. They were always very, there was never a question of this is madness. You can't pursue this. Mm. Um, it was always... They were always very encouraging. Yeah. Okay, so you did the course. Mm. Well, you were doing the course. Mm. Did you love fashion design when you were there? I really liked the design. Um, I, the course was phenomenally challenging, so yeah. much more than I ever anticipated. And you would know you've done oh, fashion. I it found just, it so hard. It just, um, yeah, it either lifts you or it kills you, I yep. think. Yep. Um, and at the end of first year, I really felt that it was killing me. I was going okay, but we, we would have to do a design process where you would be given a design brief around a topic. It might be office wear, it might be swimwear or whatever it was. And every class then that you did would tie into it. So in textiles, you'd be designing fabric. In illustration, you'd be illustrating, you know, a fashion drawing of your garments. Um, in construction and pattern making, you'd be making them. And I kept getting the constant feedback that... And so that it would culminate and you would have to present the final finished piece on a model in front of a, a panel to be yeah, critiqued. Like it making me is, feel slightly sick, actually. Yeah, like it's how I'm here. like, I'm like, oh God, yeah, I remember all yes, this. Yeah, like, and that would be every, I don't know, it felt like every five minutes. And you I'm had sure no money either. No, God, so broken. All your money was going on fabric and Canson paper and sips. Prismalo yeah. pencils and, oh, you know, just stuff that you couldn't afford. Mm. But, you know, <laughs> you'd traipse up to Oxford Art Supplies and oh, hand yes. over your hard-earned cash yeah. from the... I used to work at a restaurant and I used to nanny on the side and, uh, yeah, save up all my pennies and go and buy beautiful cans and paper. Yeah. Um, but my critiques were always... It's well styled, the fabric's really good, the design's good, nothing special. Oh. <laughs> you know, you need to elevate it a bit more, you need to... And uh, it used to frustrate me because I, I could see where they wanted me to go with it, 
But, and it was, and, and to their credit, they were trying to push me out of my comfort zone. But all of a sudden it clicked with me that, hang on, it's actually, my issue is, is I like the accessories far more than I like the clothes. Okay, <laughs> yes. So could you then branch off into that? So I nearly quit at the end of first year and um, my mum and dad convinced me that, no, no, I was on the right track. You just haven't found your thing yet. Yeah. Um, which was really good advice. Very wise. You know, I think you can be really um, dismissive when you're young. You know, it's, it's got to happen quickly yeah. or it's not happening or yeah. it's the wrong thing. Or, yeah. Um, so I went back for second year and took up, we were always often um, different elective strands and, and millinery was one of them in second year. Oh. And which is hats, not flower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you wear it on your head, you don't bake with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that... That was when, that was that light bulb moment. The first lesson that we did, I was very lucky. We had a really fabulous lecturer, um, Neil Grigg. He was incredibly engaging. He was enthusiastic, so passionate about what he was doing. Yeah. um, That it was infectious. Mm. And and he was a terrific and really generous teacher. So. Yeah. um, And he was like. He would have been real. Was he really famous then? Yeah, it was at the pretty it, amazing. It was just at the start of his. Mm. He, I mean, his story in itself is fabulous. He's you know a farm boy from regional Victoria. Did not who, know that. Yeah, and he used to be with the um, Sydney Dance Company. He's an amazing dancer. My at our wedding, he at the end of it, someone said, "I didn't realise you could dance." He and I did this dance that was completely spontaneous. Yeah. Paul Max was just sitting there going, oh, God, how am I going to do But I swear my feet did not touch the floor once. Yes. But it's this, we did this most amazing waltz, waltz maybe. I don't even know what it was called. <laughs> it was so much fun. Um, but he mm-hmm. had to retire at a young age. He had really bad arthritis in his um, feet and in his knees, I think it was. So... He retrained. He always loved the costumes, and he retrained as a milliner. And yeah, and so luckily for me, I came along just as he was, yeah, just as he was really hitting his straps. And it was a really fun time. The philosophy of the school was that they ran nine to five Monday to Thursday, and nine to twelve on a Friday. Yeah, and that was to prepare you for a taste of what it was going to be like once you got into the industry. Not this, you know, turn up for a lecture at ten on Tuesday and then another one at three on mm. Wednesday afternoon, and that's it for the week. Mm. Um, so it was very regimented, and I started just trotting down Neil's studio at that stage was in Surrey Hills, and so I used to just trot down when college would finish. And he'd just be closing up shop and and we'd work on stuff together. It was great. Oh um, so I kind of forced myself into it. Yeah, life. yeah, yeah. Like, hey. Yeah, hi, I'm here again. Um, Were you I, paid I from the start no, or you just, yeah? No, no. It's just like. Um, no, I just was so. You just weaseled everything. your way in. Yeah, yeah, I did. I just, um, I just made it so that he had to offer me a job. So at the end, when I finished college, I finished on the, I graduated on the Friday and started working with him full time on Monday. Oh my gosh. What, what is the beauty of a hat or millinery? Or? Uh, I think there's something really lovely about how it, 
it's a handcraft. Mm-hmm. I mean, now you can get, you know, it's an industry as everything has become these days where it's mass produced as well. But that craft of millinery is, um, is really beautiful. It's slow and it's tactile and it's, um, it's all almost always after it's almost always all by hand, you know, there's, bit of a shift in modern millinery these days is balance between machine and, and hand sewing but when I was learning everything was done by hand you would you would block the crown it's I was only having this conversation with someone earlier this week we used to um block the crown and the brim separately so so the straw of the felt would come as a single portion yeah and you would block the crown and then you would cut the crown off and you would block the brim separately on the brim block and then you would wire it and edge it and all of that sort of thing and then you would decide how tall you wanted the crown to be you might need to put a piece in to give it more elevation that sort of thing and then you would bring the two pieces back together and then the trim would be designed around how so it was it was a great it's a great um it's a great design practice too because it's about it's not just about creating something really lovely it's going to go on your head and there's no way you can avoid it not being right yeah like it, it has to be, be too small yeah it, it has be to be big. right so um it's all then about and that's where i think um i really benefit in having trained in clothes because it's about the overall balance it's it's about making something that not just suits your outfit but suits you mm. um so you know the sort of hat that you would wear is yeah. completely different to the hat that i would wear because yeah. you're tiny and petite and i'm and i can't see out from yeah, all of those little things become mm. when you're having something made they become things that you can address mm. um, rather than going well it's kind of right this one that i've found off the rack so i'll kind of make it do mm. you know i hear hilarious stories of women sticking sanitary pads on the inside of their hats oh to get the feet better if they've gosh. got really small hair God, sizes. you wouldn't want it blowing off in the wind, would you? It could be quite yeah, embarrassing. Oh, my um, god! Yeah, well, just try and find something that fits. So, so inevitably I end up seeing a lot of women who either have really small head sizes and uh, trawling the kids' departments trying to find <laughs> something that doesn't yeah. have Thomas the Tank Engine stitched yeah. on it. Or they've got really big heads and are trying to adapt a really masculine hat into their wardrobe that kind of looks pretty because they can only find something in the men's department. Yeah, that's the beauty of bespoke, isn't it? Mm, Yeah, 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 it's tailored just for you. And it's kind of like a sculptural form, isn't it? Like it's sort of more of an artwork. But it It has to be practical as well. It's interesting. It's very sculptural and it's very artistic I guess I use that sort of loosely but at the end of the day it's got to be practical and it's got to function as well so it's a fine line between making something really beautiful that will also work really well for you it's really important when I'm making something that it's it's got to it's got to be comfortable on the person it's got to they've got to be able to move really easily and when they come um, I'm not seeing so many people at the workroom now thanks to COVID but (laughs) when someone tries on a hat and I'll usually sort of put something on them and let them wander around in it for a little while 
you can tell whether it's right or not because they because of how they move they you know if they're moving freely and and comfortably and confidently then then it's sort of ticking all the right boxes and then it might just be that you know you need to do a different color to to suit you know their flavor or you know there's lots of little variables that just tweak it so that it's that difference between oh look at that lady in the hat versus oh my god look at that stylish lady what a great hat yeah yeah you know it it's that overall package rather than and the hat is just part of that yeah amazing Mm. yeah I love that you then the watch the way people move mm. in the thing. It's something I'm like, it's oh, got a function. Yeah, should think about that more with the change rooms at the shop too. <laughs> like, but maybe it's something. Well, I think like you can probably as a kid. I used to watch lots of people at you know, mum and dad would have dinner parties and yeah. we'd go to um, places. Mum, mum still has Tuesday ladies lunch, um, <laughs> which is this great group of women. When they were young, in winter they'd play golf and have lunch. In summer they'd swim and then have lunch. Oh, lovely! Every Tuesday it was a standing booking, standing standing booking, and and if you couldn't make it, you'd just send a, you know, you'd just do a call to one of them and say, I'm not here this week. We've got to go to Sydney or we've got to yeah. go wherever. You could count on one hand the number of times they've missed it as a group. Yeah. And so now in their 80s and nearly 90s, they, now they just go for lunch. Yeah, <laughs> no more, no more. And even with COVID, now they just get takeaway and go to one of their houses for Beautiful. lunch. It's really sweet. But they're a really great group of really uh, mixed personalities, mixed walks of life, mixed dynamic, but really strong, inspiring women, really encouraging, generous women. Yeah. Um, you know, there were the women who were always trawling the local great gardens to cut, you know, um, spring blossom for, oh, you know, such and such as daughter's getting married, so we'll go and cut blossom from Ina's garden and yeah. we'll go and get, you know, this from such and such's garden. There were those women and they were really inspiring to watch and I think they gave me a really good sense of of being part of what women are about. Yes, yeah. That we're all quite different, that we're all quite diverse and that's fine. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Mm. That's really nice. Okay. So how Mm. long were you with Neil working with him for? It's been about six years with Neil. Oh, gosh. Um, I think I finished just before I was married. I'd sort of reached a bit of a, a... well, for me, in hindsight, I hadn't really, but I'd reached a bit of a, I, I was looking for something new that I could, yeah. you know, pardon the pun, a new feather to put in my cap, something oh, yeah. new to learn. Um, yeah. And a friend had mentioned that Dinosaur Designs were looking for some production stuff. And I thought, oh, I might go and give that a try oh, for yes. a little while. Yeah. Um, and so it was just before we were married and I started out in their production department and all of the resin gets sanded on wet sanders. So I was working in gumboots and a big um, PVC apron yeah. and sanding these beads. And I sanded all of my fingernails oh. off where I was holding these beads I, and was not very good at it. Yeah. Um, I kept missing the bead and oh. hitting my fingernail on the sander. And so we had to stick, I'm not a, a particularly girly girl, but we had to stick false fingernails onto almost onto my nail beds in places so that they I didn't have these manky 
yucky hands in other ways. Oh, goodness. (laughs) I love dinosaur designs as well. That would have been a lovely place to work. It was. That was, I, I got a whole lot more there than I ever thought. Mm. Um, what do you think you learned there? Oh, so much. Um, they're incredibly generous people. Again, I've been really lucky to be surrounded by really good people. Um, um, I learned that work doesn't have to be separate from life, I guess, yeah, was probably okay. one of the big takeaways from there. Um, we had our eldest when while I was still working for them and Louise had had their daughter maybe three or four months beforehand. And so she and I were both, in theory, at home going a bit crazy. Mm. I remember ringing her and saying, can I just come back to work? Because this being <laughs> at home with a baby nonsense is during yeah. my head in. Um, and I think part of that was we were... We were probably, we were married a lot before all of our mates were the first to have a baby. Um, And so, and I was in Sydney and didn't have any family support there. So it was really isolating those those first few weeks at home. And Louise said, well, I'm thinking about going back to work. So let's see how we can make it work. Which, you know, was unheard. This is in the 90s. and so they hired a nanny in at the office and set up a bit of a playpen, crazy sort of atmosphere. We just turned up to work, Finn and I just rolled mm-hmm. on in. And, you know, I think probably um, for the first six months I really didn't contribute a great lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think... They knew that it would, you know, I was always incredibly loyal to them and I always gave 150%. Yeah. So I, I think there was always that um, hope that, the ba- you know, it, it evens out, it balances yeah. out. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was it. I look back on that now and just realise what a gift that was. Yeah, amazing. Mm. Oh, how wonderful. But that was, it was the most inspiring there was always something really great going on in the colours and the oh, the shapes and the, it was fantastic and all done in-house. Um, it was, yeah, it was a really great, it was a really great time. I was really sad to leave there. Yeah. Um, so when did you leave there? We're, we're edging towards so, the next business as well. Yeah, so left there. Um, Oh gosh, I, I had I had about six years with them too, five or six years with them. Um, so left there must have been um, late two thousand maybe, yeah. and I was juggling. Max had started up a catering business, and yeah. I was kind of helping out with that. I remember. Um, I remember we did, so it was a lunchtime catering business and we were doing pre-made sandwiches, which was really new then. You know, it's quite mainstream now. You see a lot of it in cafes where instead of them making the sandwich while you wait, they're all pre-made and they toast them. Yeah, you forget that that's sort of a new issue. And focaccia bread, remember that? That was very fancy. Yeah. Yeah. So we... What was that business called? It was called MFS Fresh. MFS really inspired Max. Sounds like married it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like married at first sight. Uh, yeah. So that, um, 
our first order was for about 12 baguettes. So we used to do fabulous baguettes and rolls and, um, and they were all pre-made. But when we went, when he went into, he wasn't, uh, he, I guess he was thinking, but he wasn't really thinking long-term, but um, the hours were insane. So to get them all pre-made and out to cafes ready for service, we were starting at three in the morning. Oh. Um, and you so had I was a baby doing, too. yeah, and we had a baby in the middle of it all. Um, so I was sort of juggling dinosaur and helping out a bit with that and watching him steadily decline into no sleep zone between Max baby, or yeah, the baby. Max. Max. Um, and look, we did that for. 18 months. I mean, it was huge. We don't do things by halves. We won the contract. We won a contract with David Jones and we supplied them with mezzi plates for yeah. um, for the Olympics. Oh. So it was whilst the Olympics <laughs> on we did not see a thing. Yeah. Nothing of the Olympics other than the inside of this little commercial kitchen that we had. Oh my God. Um, we, you know, we used to supply some really big places. Do you remember Jones the Gross? Oh, yes, yeah. Sort of yeah. So we used to do a lot of make and supply to places like that, distribute and all of that sort of thing. Um, but it just, it was nearly the death of us. Yeah. Um, we did it for about 18 months. And I remember the tipping point was we went to a friend's wedding in the Southern Highlands and it was the most, it was this beautiful wedding and... It was the first weekend we'd had off in forever. I think my mum and dad must have come down to look after Finn in yep. Sydney and we had, you know, headed off. I remember, you know, it was supposed to be a weekend away. I think we got there, you know, in enough time to get changed and go to the west. Yes. Um, and just before we sat down for speeches, Max said, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. And it was at um, it was at this beautiful it was at um, this beautiful house, and there was a marquee, and um, and he trotted off, and the speeches started, and he just didn't come back. Oh! But because the speeches were on, I couldn't sort of get up without making a fuss to go and see if he was all right or see where he was. Anyhow, um, long story short, he'd taken himself up, gone to the bathroom and then just tucked himself into bed in one of the bedrooms because the bride's grandmother was <laughs> down in the, in the marquee going, oh, it's a very handsome young man in my bed. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> He's just so tired. And, yeah, he was just knackered. And so the drive home from that wedding, we started to plan our exit and we literally just packed up a truck and took what we had and got out of Sydney. So then we should talk about the famous gangster dip mm. and the story of sort of how Fresh Fodder started. It's like one of my favourites. It is. it is. It's really yeah. good. And people ask us if we've made it up. They ask us if really? it's, yeah, oh, ask if it's it. a... Um, if it's a part of a movie script, um, some people get a bit offended by some of the content. They don't like that it involves a brothel. Yes. But yeah. it does, sadly. So um, so Max is the generation foodie. Yeah. Um, his dad had delis in Sydney. He had this deli in Crow's Nest and upstairs was a brothel. Yeah. And next door was a pawn shop, which people often their mind because of the brothel their mind goes yeah. to porn as in pornography and yeah. it's not it's 
it's, you know. Where you buy and sell. We, we buy gold for cash yeah. sort of shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Stolen goods. Yeah, a bit of this, bit of that. <laughs> um, and the, the complex itself was owned, supposedly owned by, uh, a Sydney underworld figure. So he, he was the gangster component. Um, anyhow, Max and his brother used to work in the business on a Saturday morning. You know, they tell um, funny stories as naughty little boys of watching the girls go to work upstairs. Yeah. Um, you know, such a completely different upbringing to the quiet little one I had out on yeah. the farm making clay pots. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But Jim, Max's dad, had gone to work this morning and he used to go in early. He used to like the quiet in the back of the kitchen and he liked to have a bit of a um, time before the staff got in and, and, you know, get a few things sorted for the day and have his coffee and get ready. Anyhow, there was a back lane behind the shop and he parked and was coming up the back lane to come in the back entrance of the shop and the bouncers from the brothel were beating up the guy who had been running the pawn shop next door and giving him a serious beating. Yeah. Like, it was going to end badly. And without thinking about it, Jim intervened um, and broke it up and the guy that they were beating up just legged it, got out of there as quick as he could and the bouncers gave Jim a pretty stern talking to about minding his own business and staying out of what wasn't his problem. Um, and so he sort of, you know, dusted himself off and went off to work and didn't really think a lot more about it. But the gossip went around all the, the little shops. It was a little sort of strip shop um, centre there. And the gossip went around. And apparently the guy who had been running the pawn shop had been caught with his fingers in the till. Oops. And so the bouncers were teaching him a lesson. And, um, and that's when Jim had come along. Anyhow, um, Weeks and weeks went by and everything sort of settled down again. And in due course, Jim was going in again one morning up the back lane and the guy from the pawn shop was waiting on the back step of the shop. And, and Jim said, oh, my God, he, you know, we all wondered where you'd gone. And he said, oh, well, you know, it was true. I, I was doing the wrong thing. I had yeah. my fingers in the till. But he said, I really believe you saved my life yeah. that day um, and I'm indebted to you and clearly I haven't got any money yeah. <laughs> but I can see you're a man who really loves and appreciates food and I have this family recipe and I really would love to spend some time this morning if you've got some time to show you how to make it. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. that's the taramasalata recipe. Yeah. So they spent the morning he had... This little guy had um, had a little plastic bag with a little Maggi mix and all the ingredients and they spent the morning talking about how to make it, why he made it, why it was such an important recipe in their family. So where's Tarasalada from? What's the it's heritage? a traditional Greek okay. um, recipe and for those who don't know, it's it's um it's a it, look it's a polarizing product. I know it's not your favorite. Yeah, no, it looks um, pretty. I we love all we the always dips. say it's it's the Vegemite of our range. Yeah. People either love it or they hate it. There's no middle ground. Um, but those who love it love it like a firstborn child. Yeah. Um, they're really passionate about it, and we get the most amazing emails. Yeah. Constantly about 
oh, really amazing stories. People email and say, oh, my gosh, I tried your tiramisalata and it took me back to my childhood yeah. in my grandmother's kitchen or, yeah. um, you know, really personal connections, which is amazing how food can do that to you. Mm. It's a bit like music. It has that instant transportation ability where you are immediately five years old again mm. in your grandmother's kitchen or you're on holiday in Greece or whatever your connection to it might be, it takes you back to that spot. Yeah. And so when he gave the recipe to your father-in-law, what did he say when he... He said, this is my gift to yeah. you. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And then, so Taramaslada is so, your best seller now. Yeah, so it's now our leading product. And we've actually got, there's four in our range. It's become our um, our specialty. It's what yeah. we're known for. Yeah. We, I mean, we've got other flavours in our range, but everyone always knows the Tarama. Um, so we, we now do a traditional, um, which is the pink, the yeah. pink dip. Everyone always calls it the yeah. pink dip. Um, and then there's a, a smoked taramasalata and a peppered taramasalata, which is sweet peppers, not, yeah. um, not black pepper. Uh, and then a white taramasalata, which is probably, so it's traditional but in a different way to the pink. It uses breadcrumb, yeah. um, whereas our, our taramasalata is a little bit different in that it, it doesn't use a bread or potato base, which is what, what makes it really light yeah. and, you know, it's light and creamy and fluffy, but there's no dairy and there's no bread, yeah. there's no potato. It's, yeah. And how much taramasalata are you making a week? Oh, my God, so much. Um, we, oh, look, it, it probably is, um, it's, it's definitely what we make the most of. We probably overall send out at the moment about, somewhere between 50 and 60,000 packets of dip a week. Isn't that amazing? Um, it's, uh, it's tons. It's in yeah. tons. You know, we have, we have trucks that back up and fill our oil silo and Gosh, things crazy. like that. The numbers, the numbers are boggling. And it's hilarious because, you know, fodder very much has its own postcode and heartbeat and, you know, we've got 30 staff and it's a driving force and we're really... Um, building and pushing and growing um, and then there's me in my little workroom yes. making little hats for individual people so it's quite funny our businesses are really polar opposites and yet um, and yet the crossover between the two of them I think lifts both of us up yeah yeah so probably sort of a similar like you've got similar beliefs and yeah there is ethos. and it's you know which, which like I always say that um, I help with the dips, but Max is never allowed to help with the hats. <laughs> um, and that's that's unfair because they do and he can usually, the boys, I always say I'm raising good husbands. Yes. Because I have three sons. Um, and they all have a really good eye for what looks good and what, Oh really gosh, they'll be great. They're, they're the best You'll be great mother-in-law oh, as well. You're going to make them all hats. Yeah. I know you won't. You going, oh my God, she's going to give me a hat. For oh, Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> yeah, oh my God, probably. And I have to wear oh, it. That's it. Now every time they see it. I hate it. I don't like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, so let's go back. So you moved from Sydney yep. um, to Forbes. We went to Forbes yep. first off. 
because we hadn't really, because we made such a quick decision to, you know what, this is madness, we've got to get out. And we, we had decided when we married, um, we, uh, we both pinpointed oranges where we wanted to end yeah. up then. It just took us a while to get there because we were, at that stage I was working for Dinosaur and really loving it um, and he was still working for his mum and dad and really loving that and there was no sense of urgency and then all of a sudden there was this great sense of urgency of we just really want to get out. Yeah. Um, we didn't have any contacts in Orange. We didn't, you know, it was a big, big, um, a big jump. It, it's probably, we, we very much live our life by the seat of our pants. Yeah. We're probably becoming a little bit more cautious and, yeah. And, um, and plan a little bit more now that we're older. But up to that point, I mean, we met and got engaged in six weeks. So oh, my that gives gosh. You yeah, okay. We were, you know, Amazing. young and impulsive and in a big rush. Um, yeah. So we moved. My parents were still living in Forbes. And so we moved back there for what we thought would be um, six months yeah. maybe, just whilst we got our feet on the ground and worked out what we were going to do and got some plans in places. And we ended up staying for a couple of years. Yeah. And it was interesting because we both did a complete step away from what we were doing. Max went back to uni yeah. um, and finished his degree. He actually shifted from viticulture and did horticulture. Mm -hmm. And I worked in the doctor's surgery. Did oh, you? That was a steep learning curve. Yeah. Um, made me realise I'm really good at making yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so um, and so that was a really interesting period of time. We both just stepped off the merry-go-round and took a little bit of a stop and a reassess. Yeah. Um, Is that when things became clear? Yeah, then? it was. Yeah. Yeah. And it reinvigorated us both, I think. Yeah. We, both, um, we both had much more of a sense of what we wanted to do, although we were still, you know, hindsight we were still pretty impulsive yeah um so we then we were pregnant with our second um and in true form we decided that we either had to move to orange then or it was going to have to wait yeah so we moved on the saturday and darcy was born on the monday oh my god so <laughs> yeah okay friday yeah. so are you getting a bit of a picture yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i didn't at all think you'd be like that I thought oh you'd just be no, yeah, it's funny. I am probably the, you just look so neat. And, well, um, I'm probably the calm conservative, okay. and Max is probably the um, the more shoot from the hip mm -hmm. one. Yeah, and I think that probably is good for both of us. Yeah. I'm good for him. He's good for me. Yeah. He pulls me out of my comfort zone, and I pull him into yeah. a comfort zone. Good team. Um, yeah, I think you know. There's a there's a saying sometimes. You get what you need, not what you want. Yes, um, okay. Yeah. And and I think we both bring that to each other quite often. Yeah. You know, we might not necessarily want to hear what the other has to say, but it's actually what we need to hear. Yeah. So you moved to Orange. So we moved to Orange and, well, I had Darcy, so I was effectively out of a job not doing anything. And I thought, well, now's as good a time as any to start up a business. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I hung my shingle on the door and thought, well, I'll just hope that people will come. Um, 
I remember your mum's shop was one of the doors that I knocked on and said, hi, we've moved to town. And, and she was so sweet. She, um, she said, oh, look, I'll tell people all about you. And, you know, it was just a few encouraging people like that. I started, I went back to my roots and I started out doing, I offered a bit of everything because I thought people aren't just going to come and see me for a hat yeah. straight off the bat. Um, and internet was still dial-up at yeah. that stage, got them old. Yeah. Um, and so... Yeah, sound like rings, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, you know, those dial-up yeah, yeah, noses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I offered a bit of everything and thought, well, if I can get them in to have a skirt made or their trousers hemmed, then I can, you know, have some hats in the background. Yes. Go, hey, did you see the hats? Yeah. And just yeah. slowly. And I you slowly, know what would look great with that dress? Yeah, this I've got hat. this hat over here. <laughs> <laughs> so I slowly converted people over. And it's funny, some of the, the women that I made things for in those really early days are still my customers yeah. these days. They, um, you know, they're really bought into me yeah. which was so important in the building of it they really backed me which was great yeah that's um, and so max continued working he didn't go straight we didn't go straight into it so that was um when was that that was 2004 and we started fodder in 2008 yeah, yeah. and that was um it's funny we mark all of our great life changes with our kids um so Darcy was born when we moved. Finn was, you know, pretty much born when we were on our out from Sydney. Yeah. Darcy was born on our intro into Orange. Yeah. And Oliver was born as we went into fodder. Gosh, um, you need to have another one. So you oh, can do no. Else. <laughs> so dumb. We'll go yeah. with fur babies now. Yeah. <laughs> so when you started Fresh Fodder, what was the idea behind that business? What did you want to do with that? So Max's mum and dad had for years done lots of charcuterie products, yeah. smoked meats and that sort of thing. But they had always, the tarama salada had always come in and out of the range and we always knew it was such a great product. But timing is everything yeah. with a business, I think. And we just had never really hit on the right, or, the right audience, the right, the right time to, to get some some really good momentum yeah. behind that. And so when Max had always been, he banged on about it for years, about how, you know, there was a lot, um, there was a lot in it that he thought he could build a business just around that dip modelling, yeah. that, you know, um, products that you can eat on your own, that can support a meal, they can be on a cheese board, they can, um, you know, you can spread them onto a wrap or a, a sandwich, a Turkish bread or something like that. Or, yeah. you know, there was, there was something in that. And so he didn't want to go into the meat products at all. Um, and so he, yeah, so he started, God, it was such a... <laughs> We reverted back to our slightly chaotic um, process once yeah. again. So we started the business on five credit cards. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Banks. Um, yeah, we were six months into our mortgage and we just had a baby and we started this business on credit card. Um, and so Max would, 
his parents were living in Sydney by that stage. And so he would fly down to Sydney on the Monday and he would make in their kitchen in Sydney. Um, and I think at that stage, you know, we were making about 12 kilos of product and yeah. thinking we were pretty flat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The rising then, credit card debt. <laughs> yeah, that's it, absolutely. Um, and then he would drive to the, you know, I think we had three customers from our old contacts. Yeah. We had lots of contacts from, you know, having been in and around the industry for such a long time. And so uh, he would drive and deliver the goods and he'd always, whenever he made each week, he would make a little bit extra and he would drop off samples to three new stores. And then the next week he'd go back to those three new stores and did you like it? And then he'd take an order. So then we had, you know, we'd go from 12 customers to nine, you know, to 15 customers, to 18 customers. Um, And so I would sit at home with my manila folder. So Mondays then became fodder days and the other days were Fiona Schofield millinery days. But I would sit at home with my manila folder of um, call sheets and I would ring each customer and say, hi, it's Fiona from Fresh Fodder to make us sound like we're, you know, a bigger company than we were. Um, You know, I'm just ringing to check your order for the week. How's the product moving? And, And it You know, it sounds really daggy now, but it was such a great way to start up the business and we've really reluctantly moved away from that as it's grown because that's the best way to keep in touch with your customers. Yeah. Um, We got instant feedback. We got... um, We we got a real sense of loyalty Mm. Um, because I think once they realised that, no, we were just faking it and it was just Max (laughs) and Two people. (laughs) Yeah. Hang on, the girl in account sounds like the same girl in sales. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. I'm like, so, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we bought a lot of loyalty, I think, by by starting out that way. Um, so, so that's how, we, and then so he would go on Monday. He'd come back on Thursday night. He'd spend a day chasing around and getting new ingredients and supplies, and then he'd look for new stores and that sort of thing. And then he'd come home on Friday. And so then we revolutionised things um, and he announced that he bought a refrigerated van sight unseen on eBay oh. for a thousand bucks. What could go wrong? Totally. Um, I think it had, by the time we were done with it, I think it had 950,000 <laughs> Ks on it. How It was held together with sticky tape yeah. and lots of good luck. Um, and we thought that was going to revolutionise things um, because that meant that he didn't have to go to Sydney Yes, and make, make. yeah. Um, and so we rented, we initially rented um, the Emu's Rugby Club kitchen. Oh, my gosh, yeah. yes. That's and just we, a local football employed, club. Yeah, and we yeah. employed two people and I think, you know, they were working five minutes each a week because yeah. that's all we could afford. Yeah. But, but we had staff and we had we had a company vehicle. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's all in the same, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it may be held together with sticky tape, yeah, but, but a hey, company vehicle, us. yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden we realised we were back in the zone that we were in when we had the catering business yeah. in Sydney. He was making all day and then he'd come home and we'd have dinner together. That's been our one grounder is always, always, always the kids and Max and I always have dinner together oh, at the dinner table yeah. each night. Yeah. And that's our checkpoint, how's everyone's day, what was good, what was bad. 
Um, but he would then go to bed and he'd get up at, uh, it wasn't a very fast or powerful van. So it was always a bit of a question as to whether, geez, it's going to get over the mountains. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, especially with a load on yeah. and as the loads got bigger, yeah. um, but he would head off anywhere between one and three in the morning to be getting into Sydney to start delivering all the product that they'd made on the Monday, Tuesday, then head to Sydney on the Wednesday and he'd do all the deliveries and look for new business and um, look for new suppliers and all that sort of thing. It was really crazy, chaotic times again. But I think we both really, we'd, you know, we'd had a couple of cracks at, at this and we really felt that this was going to be, be the thing. Yeah, yeah, it was this. It was this or nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, and I have always joked with Max that, you know, we met and fell head over heels in love and I always said, oh, I'd live in a hole in the ground with you. And there have been moments where that has <laughs> been a very serious option. Yeah. Um, but we just keep pushing along because we really believe in, mm. in what we're doing. And funny how you... You know, you made this conscious decision to try and like slow down, mm. but in order to create that life you really want for your family, mm. you have to just do that. Just and I, heart you do. Again. There's, there's no, I don't know, in my people who can do it without doing all of that hard slog. Um, I think most people do have to. You just think, don't hear the stories. Yeah, sometimes and I think we've we've always been really honest about yeah. how we tell our story because yeah. that's how it is. There's no smoke and mirrors. It's yeah. bloody hard work. Yeah. And, you know, I clearly recall standing at the supermarket on more than one occasion in the very early days and having all of the credit cards knocked back <gasps> oh. and having to leave the groceries and having the Maybe kids you had dips go. to eat when you got home. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we had plenty of dip, um, <laughs> just no bread to put it on. <laughs> Shame um, you weren't in the milk, milk, flour milk. Yeah, person. that would have been that handy been then really if that, that had actually been the thing. So, like, how... Did you then get fresh fodder onto supermarket shelves and in loads of supermarkets? What ones are you in now? You're in Aldi. Um, Yep, so we've been in Aldi. We supply Costco. Um, We supply Harris Farm. We supply all the IGAs. And um, and the scoop of the day is we've just done a national deal and we're about to roll out into 400 Woolworths stores. Ah! (laughs) Oh, my God. You know what? That is freaking amazing because isn't it, like, virtually impossible to get onto a shelf? It's, like it's, it's hard work. It's it's real estate. Shelf space is well real estate. Yeah. And it it is. It's really hard. It's really hard work. And the problem is that it's it's not just getting on the shelf. Yeah. It's getting people to pick you up off the shelf. Yes, of course. Um, so it's one battle. Yeah. And so then you, you have the next. You know, battle. the easy part is done, is getting yeah. the product into the store. And that's not easy. That's that's a lot of knocking on doors. That's a lot of sending samples. That's a lot of building. And you know, it. We've been very conscious about building the brand alongside building the manufacturing. We do all the products made here in Orange. Yeah, it's so amazing. So we've got a, a big commercial kitchen. And we do all of our dispatch out of here as well. All the products made here. 
and then it's dispatched off to um, capital cities where it's then distributed out to stores. And we do a little bit with um, a couple of distributors in Singapore and Hong Kong. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's lovely. People, it sort of comes back to what I was saying earlier about the tarot yeah. People love it or hate it, but yeah. if they love it, they really, they really um, have a sense of ownership about it they're yeah. really passionate about it you know if we um we recently couldn't get the silver foil that we normally put on top we had to put gold on for a while oh yeah and we had people emailing going have you changed the product it looks different oh gosh you know, they, it's that instant yeah um that instant feedback that you think wow people are really paying attention to what we're doing mm. um they're really invested in yeah, it. Yeah, they are. They're really invested in it. And, you know, people will pull us up in the street and go, oh, my God, I was in Queensland last week and I, I saw your product. I had an email from a girl a couple of weeks ago who follows my millinery page but hadn't made the connection through yeah. to the fodder page but somehow that connection had been made for her and then she was in her local um cafe deli and there and she said and there it was there it was just there in front of me and I bought it and oh my god it's amazing and I had that same thing when I was in Tasmania and there was a fig and olive mm. tippinard thing in a little shop down there and I was yeah. like oh my gosh oh my god, how are. on earth I feel like you've just like quietly done this amazing thing that I guess has been this hard slog, but what an amazing thing um, to be done in a regional town as well. Yeah, that's been a really important aspect of building the brand for us is that tie back in the early days it was to our detriment. We were a day behind everyone else to market because yeah. we had to get it from Orange to Sydney first yeah. and then to store. Yeah. So in the early days, it was, it was definitely not to our advantage. Um, and, you know, I think Orange is a beautiful food, um, food bowl and there's amazing things going on here with the um, slow food movement and local food movement yeah. and all of that sort of thing. And it's tricky because we, um, we're, we're that dirty word. We're manufacturers, you know, oh, we're, yeah. we're making in volume. Yeah. Um, you know, we're making 50 yeah. to 60,000 packets of dip. I can't even imagine weed. what that looks like. Oh, but it's yeah. nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we just pulled in this morning and we just, they were just unloading a truck of um, new, um, we've got a new flavour, current flavour that's shifting. So we've been, we do little tests every now and then on flavours and we will release it. We'll do it as a short-term release and see what the response yeah. is and, and if it gets a good response then we'll move it into the main range. So Mediterranean tapenade is about Ooh, to yeah. um, come out in the 200 gram container. So all of the new packaging arrived this morning. <laughs> They're trying to unload and find spaces for yeah. it and, you know, it's um, a logistical nightmare over there this morning. But um, it, it's important for us to be in a base where, you know, we employ around 30 staff they're all locals yeah. um some have been there for five minutes some have been there since the start yeah. almost yeah. um and and that's important that's an important side of the business yeah. that we can base here yeah and that every packet of dip that goes out comes from orange new yeah. south wales yeah. that's 
That's important to us. Oh, it's amazing. Mm. How do you stand out on a shelf? Like how is your branding? It's so hard. Yeah. Um, And can I just say it does stand out very well. Oh, good. Yeah. I seen Harris Farm the other day and you're just instantly drawn to the colours. But, yeah, go on. Yeah, so um, so we've been – so I I sort of – I have no formal training, but I bring my creative skills yeah. to follow. That's what I bring to it because I'm no good at making the dip. I'm good at eating it. Yeah. No good at making it. Um, and so when we had a look at what was going on in that sector and no no one is really owning that sector. No one has. There's a lot of, there's either a lot of really small companies or there's a lot of really massive companies um, and we're sort of sitting in that middle ground. And yeah. so we really see that as a chance to own it. Um, I think the colours really help. So the dips themselves are really colourful, yeah. but the labels um, have that great um, bounce of colour too. And the little man that is on our label mm-hmm. is actually people will say, you know, it's the dip with the man on it. Um, and for those that haven't seen it, there's this, um, great little cartoon sketch of a little robust round man. Who is it? That's Max's oh, dad. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it's a it's a cartoon sketch that a friend of theirs did years ago, and um, and we've sort of we've always thought he had great personality. We're actually just working with someone at the moment to animate him oh, to cute. get him to. Um, move into different poses and oh, that's cool. And we're trying to work out what sort of voice he might have and what his soundtrack might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. So that's all fun. Um, I think we have worked really hard at um, placing us our product in a really good spot. And you know, we we in the in the early days as we were building it, we we're always in store and we we're always saying, how how do we get you know Delhi managers hated me walking into their stores because yeah. I'd walk in and I'd go, um, have you got stock out in the cool room? I'll go out and I'll restock the shelves. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and how, how come we're down there? How do I get that spot there in the middle at eye level? I want that spot. And they're like, that's premium real estate. How do you get that spot? Oh, do you have man. to pay them to get that spot? Or do you... I think in the old days, yeah, they used, yeah. To, they used to almost lease out yeah. premium spaces. Um, we we have pretty good representation in most of our retailers. We're really lucky. Um, it's I think it's measured on a lot of different things, but it's measured on um, on that pull off the shelf thing. Mm. So if people are picking it up and pulling it off the shelf, then they'll yeah. give it a good spot. Yeah. Is that how you come up with like a new flavour, like a new? Yeah, is it from the analytics of the store or is it just um, you guys personally? We used to, look, we probably, our range has actually shrunk. Yes, um, yeah. We used to have lots and lots of flavours, but I think um, you reach, as, as a business grows, you start to hone in on the things that really work for you, yeah. um, which is probably what you should just do from the start. But we, in the early days, we used to do all of our own distribution and so it was a matter of um, justifying the truck to stop. You didn't want to stop for 50 bucks. You wanted to stop for 250 bucks. Yeah. 
So the idea was more flavours, there's more for them to buy that boosts their, um, yeah. their buy-in. So um, you probably needed to start with that model and, anyway. Yeah, it, and look, it, it did. It, um, it brought, it gave us a bigger shelf mm. presence and all of that sort of thing, whereas now I think we're in a, a space where we can really zero down into what, what we do best and we are... You know, we are known for that Taramasalata range. That is our hero. That is um, is what we live and die yeah. by. Yeah. Um, and and then the supporting flavors around that are very much. Um, well, I guess they tie back to the business name. So this business name is Fresh Fodder, yeah. which we wanted something that. Oh gave yeah, I didn't a ask sense. you about your business name. I no, usually right. do. It gave a sense of. Um, Food for entertaining and grazing. Okay. So we knew we were going to be in a regional setting yeah. for our business. And we do, we like, because that's how we tend to eat. We tend to just put, um, we eat fairly simply. Um, I'm by no means a great cook. But we cook really good, simple, tasty food. Yeah. And so, you know, accompanying that is great flavour. You know, last night, the boys rugby training night oh yeah they are starving and so last night they were desperate they're like please can we have schnitzel yeah Yeah. makes such a mess but anyway crumbed up schnitzel oh wow um cooked schnitzel and i just did and it's like this starving for carbs so i did a big potato salad with eggs and celery and um, a little bit of onion, and then I just upended a tub of tzatziki, yeah, it and stirred well, it through, smart. and yeah. it was really delicious. Yeah, and it made it look like I'd made so much effort. Yes, when I really hadn't. Yeah, and that's how I guess that's how we approach what when we're looking at a product in the range, what's its value, mm. and it has to be able to work really hard because we don't see the range just as dips for a cheese plate. No, like I put much, your pesto in a pasta the other day. Yeah, it's so absolutely. easy. Absolutely, they're ingredients. It's like buying a fresh pasta sauce or a yeah. fresh, you know, the tzatziki goes in lots of different things. The Mediterranean tapenade's great as a spread on a pizza base. Oh yeah, yeah. So there's lots of really um, great things that you can do with the products other than just have it with a glass of wine. Although you know, people do say, "Oh my god, the terms ladder, I may have just eaten a whole tub." <laughs> <laughs> With no crackers. I know, isn't that <laughs> crazy? So what what gives you the most joy with your businesses? Mm. So I think we both are really um, we both are really high achievers. I used to think I was a big dreamer and then I met Max. Yeah. And far out he is a big dreamer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he'll be happy when um, when we've dominated the world yes. with fresh fodder dips. Um, That's cool. Yeah, it's not a bad one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine, mine is funny. Mine was always, mine just grows organically alongside, which I really yeah. like. Um, and I just really love doing it. Yeah. I just really love the making. I hate the days that I have to sit down and do paperwork, yeah. um, you know, it's a necessary evil. Max said the other day, oh, the accountant needs the paperwork for the last financial year. Have you got yours ready? And I said, 
yeah, yeah, it's all good up until December. Yeah. I'll just get that other six months sorted now. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm just, I'm bad. Yeah, it's hard. Um, I'm bad at that stuff. These six months haven't really existed anyway. Like it's, been it's always been year. a bit crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's been a really strange yeah. year. But I think um, both of us have really, it's really reminded both of us how important it is to not just have a business but to build a brand and yeah. give people something. It's not... Uh, what is it they say? It's not the, it's not the, oh, God, I'm going to get this wrong and sound silly. It's not the what, it's the why. Yeah, 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 totally. And once people get your why, um, that's when they really yeah. become your customer. Yeah. And what do you find most challenging? Food industry is tough. Um because there's an element to it which um, is so centred around price point. Mm. Um, and, you know, over the years we've been approached by different groups and, and the conversation starts with the price point they need the product to sit at. Yeah. And they're not conversations we want to have. Yeah. Um, I think that's the other thing that's put us in good stead is we've always put out a really consistently great product. Yeah. Um, and we've not compromised on ingredient and we've not compromised on quality yes. in, that, in that space. You know, it, it's not easy to put out 60,000 packets of product that all are exactly the same. There's, know. you know, there's huge hoops that, ha- that we have to jump through with um food accreditation and food safety and all of that sort of thing. Um, But I think people, I mean, the idea is that you don't want people standing there going, oh, I wonder what their food safety program's like. Yeah. But you want them to feel reassured that this product is made safely and it's made consistently and it's made beautifully with love too in our small, you know, we're not a particularly big facility. No. Um, And that's probably the beauty of having it in orange too. mm. Like I think if you went. Would you be tempted to go to a bigger city? Uh, I don't think either of us could live back in the city. No. Well, not now. No. Um, you can know, do so much from here now too. You can. And I think, um, I think this year, if there's any silver lining in this year, it's been that although, you know, nothing really changed, we had an initial, we took an initial hit yeah. in those first few weeks. But where everyone was out panic buying at the supermarket, all of our stores were panic buying from us too. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was such an unknown. And then it's just, it's really settled again. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden, we're in a really great spot. We're a rare thing. We're yeah. a food manufacturer that's Australian operated and owned. Yeah. And there's, there's not nearly enough of that happening anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that sad? It is. It's really but sad. Amazing to you guys and your success. Then, really. Yeah. Look, it's um, it is. It's funny. We don't stop nearly enough to just reflect. Yeah. Um, but we're just about to do a website redo, and we've yeah. <laughs> been going back through back catalogues of photos and archiving stuff that we don't make anymore. Yeah. And, oh my God, I came across these photos of the product when we very first started making it. 
and just looks so amateur. Yeah, now. yeah. But at the but time, you probably thought time, it was beautiful. Oh, we thought it was fantastic. Yeah. We thought it was so clever and so fresh and new. Mm. And um, and now we look at it and go, oh my god, how did we ever send product out looking like that? Yeah. But it's important to look at that and realize that far out, that's not that long ago. Look at how far we've come since then. And what's been your career highlight? The national deal with Woolworths is pretty cool. Oh my God, when did that just come through? So um, exciting. We roll, so it's selected stores, it's not all stores. And it's three key flavors it's the taram salada, the tatsuki, and the Mediterranean tapenade. And we should start rolling into stores in September. Oh my God. Yeah, see, that's amazing. So you've got two kids, no, three kids, kids. three kids, two businesses, (laughs) Mm. and you've got a lot of balls in the air, a lot of Mm. feathers in your hat. How, (laughs) How are you, how do you manage it all? Oh, there's good days and there's bad. You know, I was late this morning. Oh, that's all right. Um, Punctuality is um, important to me but not always achievable. Yeah. Um, And I think, I I guess that's probably part of it. It's about we're both, we both have really um, high expectations of where, where, especially with fodder, where we want it to be Mm. and what we want it to be. Um, And I, I think that can be a bit crippling on you at times. Um, you know, you have to understand sometimes it's it's not going to be the way you want it done yeah. or, you know, you've, you've got to have a bit of flex. Mm. Um, but I don't know. We, we're definitely a team. Yeah. Um, we're really supportive of each other. Yeah. Always have been. Um, you know, some of our friends joke that, oh, geez, how long is this going to last? When we announced that we're getting married. Oh, my god! After six weeks and they're like, geez. You proved them all wrong. well. You know, yeah. 24 years later, here we are. Um, and I think, I think that probably also highlights that we're both incredibly stubborn. Yeah. No, um, maybe driven. Driven's probably a kinder word. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any advice for anyone, like, that might be embarking on a new business or feeling like they're just in the trenches at the minute Mm, yeah it's it's really hard um you know statistics are against you in starting a business what is it a high proportion of them fail in the first five years i think it's um i think it's really good to keep in mind and to make sure that what you're going into is really what you love to do Mm. because it really is going to take so much more out of you than you think. Mm. Um, I remember going into the workroom when I was in labour with Oliver. Now, I'm lucky. My workroom is um, we converted the garage at home into my studio. I still cop so much flack from all the boys. I won't move into a shop. That's a rumpus room. Um, (laughs) But I remember waking up and thinking, oh, God, I know what that pain is. Oh, Oh, God, it was right in the middle of um, autumn carnival and... Autumn racing carnival. Yeah, autumn racing carnival, perhaps. And I had, I don't know how many brides that I was working on. And, oh, God, so I waddled out into the workroom at three in the morning in labour and I was madly writing lists 
for Max to deal with when he got back from dropping me at the hospital. Oh. You need to call this lady. She's coming for a fitting today. And clearly she can't come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then being in, in the labour ward, having had Oliver and the phone ringing and, you know, we Max had rung a few family members. The so word was spreading and I picked it up thinking it was going to be a family member and it was one of my brides. And she's mm. like, oh, hi, I'm just ringing to check in how it's going. And, blah, blah, blah. and I said, oh, look, I'm just in the delivery suite. I've just had Oliver. But it's tracking along really beautifully. And it's, and she was like, oh, my God, get off the phone. Uh, I thought you were family. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Max is going, oh, my God, get off the phone. <laughs> I guess it's then like really work is your life but you've you've weaved it in in a way that's you've got to be comfortable with yeah. how you weave it in yeah. yeah yeah and if um you know i tell that story in a really funny way i don't i still know that girl she's a, a great yeah. friend they babysat our um new puppy when we went away for christmas yeah. a couple of years ago you know their their life those connections are really important yeah yeah Oh, it's so good. Okay, we're nearly near the end, so you didn't have to be so worried about anything at all. <laughs> I haven't waffled nearly no, as much as I thought. No, I might have kept me in check pretty no, well. I thought no. it might be a bad theory. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> okay, so the jumbled mixed bag. Should the dress come before the hat or the hat before the dress? So I am probably a hat before the dress girl, yeah. but then I'm a self-confessed accessories not. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I work with um, people in both scenarios. I find it about the same either way in terms of that make. Yeah. Um, I think the key thing is to know what you don't like. Yeah. It's easier to rule out than it is to um, pinpoint exactly what it is you want in that yeah. creation process. So. Um, so I work in both scenarios, but I've, I probably find more and more these days people are just going, oh, my God, I love that. I want that. Yes, yeah, and just knowing. And just buying the hat so that, you know, it all, it'll, you know, they, they are somehow are tapping into the colour combination or the look and feel that it's creating the story, that it's telling the places they can imagine themselves in it and it's fitting with their, their life at the moment. Yeah, I like that. What is the best piece of advice that someone has ever given you? Oh, it's one that I love and, um, and I can't say I, I always remember to apply it because we're not perfect. Yeah. But my mum has always said to me, if you haven't got anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Yeah. And it's hard, I think, sometimes to say nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it can test you. That's a good I reminder. Think, yeah, I think sometimes you just need to shut up. Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah, it's good. Good mm. advice, mummy. Mm. Yeah, good one. What are the three things that you'd recommend people to do when they came to visit our beautiful town of Orange? Uh, Orange is divine. Um, I am a big walker. Yes. Well, my foot's a bit sore at the moment, so it's annoying me. But I'm a walker um, too. We should walk somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I love the the Wirraburra Walk, Duntry Lake Walk is my everyday because it's close to home yeah. and 
I know how long it takes me. I can get a good podcast listen in while I'm doing it. There's a handful of people who live along Mirabara, a couple of the streets that you know quite often happen along and have yeah. a bit of a chat, which yeah. is nice. Um, it's a bit of a social connection because I work on my own in the workroom. So there's yeah. days that that suits me fine and there's other days that I just need a bit of contact. So, yeah. you know, if I do a walk, I'm bound to run into someone. Yeah, that's nice. Um, so walk and walk everywhere. I think it's easy in the country to um, to rely on your car. Yes, yeah, because you can park remember, out the front of everywhere in Orange. That's it. You know, you just and if you can't, you do a lap of the block. I know, it's And you bad, come back around it? and then, hey, presto, there's a park <laughs> there by then. <laughs> Um, it, yeah, it makes you lazy. And I remember thinking that, I remember being horrified at mum doing laps of the block when we first moved back out of Sydney and being downtown with mum and her doing a lap of the block. She couldn't get a park right at the door. And I'm like, oh, mum, there's a park just up there. And she's like, no, no, we'll just do a lap around. Yeah. That's so lazy. But, yeah, so walk everywhere. Walk everywhere. Even when it's cold, it's that beautiful, unless it's raining, but yeah. if it's just cold, that bracing air is um is amazing it's good head clearing weather it's where i do my best thinking yeah and we've got some amazing bushwalks in orange yeah there are canobolus lake the lake walk out there is beautiful we've been doing that a bit lately um up the mountain is gorgeous there's great walks up there federal falls is beautiful yeah i remember taking oliver on that walk when he was about four and he oh smashed it. Well, I was just going, oh, my God, this kid is going to be the death of me. If yeah. you can smash that walk at four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard <laughs> to smash it at 30. I can't, mm, I can't smash it at 48. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yes, uh, that one and then probably what else? Um, oh, look, the food and wine experience here is amazing. Um, and we really are spoiled for choice. And I know everyone bangs on about that, but it seriously is good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so do. And, you know, even just as simple as grabbing a coffee from one of the great coffee shops in yeah. town is just a lovely experience. We were, where were we recently? Oh, we took Finn back up to Newcastle. Um, so he's just come back earlier than expected from America um because of covid uh he was meant to be there for the 12 months and so we've he's just moved back up to newcastle to pick up uni again yes um we're really hard pressed to find somewhere to get coffee it's like oh my god it's a dime a dozen in orange we really are spoiled aren't we we've got lots we do yeah and it's all really good come to orange to walk eat and drink yeah pretty much yeah Mm. that's good and shop and shop yeah don't forget okay if you're a hat what would you be Mm. I would probably be uh, something re- I probably would like to think I'd be something really pretty and beautiful, like yeah. a lovely wedding headdress, but I'd probably be something really sensible and practical, like a garden hat. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Because function, function is important. Yeah. It has to work. <laughs> Do you have a secret talent? I don't think I do. I can't think of anything. It's definitely not singing. It's definitely not eating. I'd be dancing um, with Neil Creek. Oh, maybe. Maybe I could claim that. <laughs> I, can't, I can't think of anything worth mentioning. Probably 
it's really gross. But in a family of boys, you have to have a few gross tricks up your sleeve. Yeah. And I can fit. My husband is going to laugh so hard. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? I can fit my whole hand in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that's too good. That's that real. That, that actually, that actually that, made my eyes water. Oh, that's so funny. When you asked me that straight up, that was the first thing I thought of, and I've been sitting here trying desperately to think of something else to, <laughs> to do. And oh yeah, so my there's god, there's nothing. There's that, nothing. That's some good <laughs> talent. So if you could only eat, oh god, my eyes are watering. <laughs> if you could only eat one dip for the rest of your life. What would it be? I, oh, it's a tough call because there's, I really like a lot of what's in our range because it works. I use it a lot in lots of different ways. Yeah. Um, if I was just strictly eating it as dip, yeah, it'd have to be the smoky tarama. Okay. But if I was, if it was a, a life tool, yeah. it would be a toss-up between the pesto and the tzatziki. Oh, yes. Because yeah. they just do everything. Yes. Yeah. That's smart. Okay. Dream famous person that, would, that you would love seeing wearing one of your hats. They can be dead or alive. I love that they can be dead because I would channel something fabulous on Catherine Hepburn. Oh. I loved her. I loved yeah. watching old midday movies with her as a kid with my mum. She, um, she's fabulous yeah. style icon. I just loved her. Um, she was strong, but she was soft, and she was manly and feminine and all yeah. the things. Yeah, that's beautiful. If you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing? What would you be doing. Uh, does it have to bring me an income? Can it be something? Like no, frivolous? no, it can be anything. Yeah, I. We both often say, you know, we um, when people say that they're retiring or that, and I think, what is that? Why would you stop? Yeah. So I think probably I'd still be working, um, but I'd probably just be creating things for the sheer joy of it, yeah. rather than for a, a sense of business. Yeah. Um, and all sorts of things, you know, I. I always get to the end of each year and I think, gosh, what do I want to achieve next year? And the list is always so long and I, I only ever, gosh, if I get to half, I think I'm doing really well. Yeah. I was listening to you and Jess on your podcast and when you were talking about doing clothes oh, yeah. and doing art skirts, I've always thought it would be fabulous to do, God, to make... Oh, my God, because it just triggered off. I remember saying to Maddie at Corner Store oh, yes, a couple yeah. of years ago, I'd love to do an exhibition where you made just simple blank hats and gave them to artists oh, yes. to paint. Yeah, amazing. And then you could, I don't know, you could auction them or something. It's a great um, idea. Yeah. You should totally do that. Do yeah, project. So, you know, projects like that, just fun yeah. stuff. Yeah, things that creatively mm. make you happy. Hmm. Yeah. You should do the hat thing. That's really yeah, fun, cool. It? It'd be yeah. really cool. Yeah. Oh, the world's your oyster. Oh, look, it, it is if you want it to be. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, thank you for today. It's oh. just been so good. And I can't wait to be able to go to Woolies now yeah, and get your goodies. Like, yeah. this is just um, so amazing and, and 
feel so lucky that it's here in our own town and people are doing all these amazing things. But yeah, you really are like a power couple. And um, <laughs> no, I love the story. So uh, thank you for coming in. And, and oh, that's my pleasure. So that's thank my you. Pleasure. It's been lovely to be here. Yeah. I um, my heart is not racing nearly as much now. It Surely it stopped. I'll get you coffee now. We'll go out <laughs> to Nimrod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thanks, good. Hey, thank you so much for listening and sharing a glass of bubbles with us. Please subscribe if you want to hear more and share it with all your kick-ass businesswomen friends. So until next time, stay fabulous.